Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who is definitely in my Spotify year-end raps for top five podcasts listened to, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Oh, nothing, Mike. You caught me in between naps. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, you look well-rested and cold as shit. Oh, cold as hell. Cold as hell. You might have met me in this hat. Uh, no, this is a... Uh... Yeah, it's cold. It's cold right now, and it's... Uh... It's that time of the year. It's December. That is true. I've heard that about December once or twice. Um, you know what? It's not <laughs> what's it cold. Like for, what's it like in Southern California right now? Uh, cold relative to the standard out here. I've had to put on a sweatshirt and sweatpants now instead of just shorts and a sweatshirt, which is my uniform mm. for a while during the fall here. Very comfortable mm -hmm. fat man attire. So it's been an adjustment. Thoughts and prayers. They're not required, but they're appreciated. Yes. Nothing colder than uh, 50 degrees in Manhattan Beach. Tell you, man, when it rolls off the ocean, it's different. I'm with you. You know what is not cold, Brandon? Uh, that would be my heart. You know why? And why is that? No. I, bro, like, hey, you know what? It's, it's one of those things. It's little, but I didn't want to gloss over it. I joked about that with you off the top. 
seeing the amount of people that tweeted us about being in their year-end top five listen to podcasts on Spotify raps, legitimately heartwarming. Like, I didn't know this about yes. me, and I understand that it is, like, kind of insecure, and it sounds like faux humility, but it's not. I just didn't know. We started in May, so I wasn't sure if we would end up. And when I woke up in the morning and saw people start posting that, part of me was like, damn, like, I hope we wind up in a couple of these. And we had a bunch of people tweet at us that we were in their top five most listened to for the year on that app. So we appreciate everyone who checked that out. In all seriousness, that was like cool and heartwarming to see, especially alongside other podcasts that I respect. You know, the Greenlight Pod with Chris Long, the Right Time with Bomani Jones, Mina's podcast, the Mina Kime show, all the guys over Blue at the Ringer. So yeah, it was just, it was cool to see that, you know, it was peers that we were alongside that was nice and just the the number of people that took the time to point that out was not lost on us so a sincere thank you to everyone who has listened so far like we don't talk about this stuff much because we're focused on just trying to make something good but to see it received well at least in the early going here was really really cool i'm glad you mentioned that mike because i we do get so focused on the news and topic du jour that uh we don't think about everyone listening all the time we always think about everyone listening mike but basically our spotify numbers are strong but mighty like the, well, the fact that we're there it's, and it's then not making a, it's, it up there with the others with the others uh great podcasts <laughs> that have been around for years it's not even that for me it's just like you know people have a choice in this and that was one of the things that was always interesting to me about radio versus podcasting when i made the switch was radio it's a station in your car and when you're rolling past you've got limited options especially when you're driving around of what you can click into when I was at ESPN people would click over because it's ESPN and you were never sure how much of that was because of you here there's no hiding from it it's people are going Mm. to choose to come and spend their time with you or not and when anyone makes that choice and makes it over and over again especially with us being a daily show that's not lost on me it is greatly appreciated like that's a decision that you all have sitting around and listening and that is something that means a lot to us we said that from day one and so i just wanted to stop and say thank you we don't get a ton of time to do that you know when we get holidays and new years and all these arbitrary times or something completely made up by a company like spotify raps it is a cool chance to kind of stop and take a second to sort of catalog this and go all right like there are people that have made this choice with us and however many of you are out there we appreciate every single one of you amen thank you Amen, amen. I do believe. Uh, With that in mind, we got another great one for you today. We hope you keep downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We hope people saw that and tell their friends and bring more people to the party. We always love that. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist there so you can see us and the great show we've got for you today. Awesome guest as... The college football playoff penultimate round of rankings came out. We had the TCU Horn Frogs checking in at number three, getting ready for their Big 12 title shot against Kansas State. Their head coach, Sonny Dykes, uh, is going to come and join us for a little conversation about what the season's been like. Max Duggan is quarterback, who's a Heisman contender that he hopes is in New York. And a bunch of stuff about Sonny's journey from those early staffs at Texas Tech with Mike Leach and so many of the names now that are all around college football, Dave Aranda, Cliff Kingsbury, even Lincoln Riley and a couple of those other guys all coming from that staff back in Lubbock. Fascinating and some uh, very interesting musical similarities between me and Sonny uh, that we can get to. But um, uh, Brandon, we'll get to that and uh, by far the best movie that will come out in the next calendar year. We will break down... 
with full force today. Academy, don't fuck this up. You got a golden opportunity here. Don't waste it. But Brandon, in the meantime, we got people uh, getting very comfortable out here talking about quarterbacks in the NFL. And... I'm actually not too concerned with the specific gossip in these cases, but I think they're both loosely related enough to kind of make a point about the things we get right and wrong discussing leadership in football and leadership in general. For anyone that missed it, we had two separate but interesting stories. The first involved... Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, and a report that came out. It was Russell Wilson's birthday this week, and apparently his wife, Sierra, threw them a birthday party, I think at their house that's got the 12 bathrooms that we talked about before, which I still want to know which one is the do-not-disturb full-on pooping bathroom, but that's Mm. a story for another day. Uh, Mike Kliss, who covers the Broncos for Nine News in Denver, put out a tweet, and in that tweet... He said, there's been some gossip about Russell Wilson standing in the locker room. Here's some context. Per source, Wilson's wife, Sierra, threw him a birthday party last night. And it, quote, looked like about half the team was there on a player's day off. Why do people have to be so hurtful? I am not legitimately sure what point that tweet is trying to make. Yeah, like... uh... Like, I understand coming from Russell Wilson because it's fun and he's having a down year and it's fun even when he's having an up year. But, like, is this shade? That's that's what I'm saying. Like, this is – and everyone's made the comparison. I never saw draft day because – I didn't think a movie about the draft, even as much as I enjoy Kevin Costner, was anything I wanted to waste my time with. And apparently there's a plot in the movie where one of the players they're scouting, they go and nobody went to his birthday party, and that was a leadership red flag for all of them. Half of a 53-man plus 10 or 13, whatever the practice squad is at right now, making it on their off day to a birthday party seems legitimately impressive to me. Like, Brandon, you know this. Football locker rooms are big places. College is obviously double the size, but in the NFL, it's still big rosters, bigger than any of the other four major sports in North America, with a variety of guys in age ranges in different places of their life that have different things going on over the course of the given week. And so for half to make there seemed like an extraordinarily high number. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more shocked. I'd be shocked if anyone from the defensive side of the ball was there, Mike. Like, that's the type of, like, tight-knit, you know, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah. I think, like, not everybody fucks with everybody else in a locker room. And some of that, like you said, is positional proximity. You don't spend as much time with a lot of guys on offense, especially if they're not your peers age-wise. Like, that's a given. You just don't get along with everyone. And you don't have time to spend time with everyone. You know them. You try and have a professional relationship with them. And if they're some of the leaders on your team and you are also in that group, you've got enough of a bond to go and try and you know, be a part of making some of the leaders decisions for the team but everybody does not get along it's not some big band of brothers the way people all want to make it out to be this this actually checks out mike when i was in san francisco for super bowl 50 vernon davis had a birthday party at a sushi restaurant that i was at with the rest of the people from fox right i was in the bathroom and guess who was there Peyton Manning and his big ass head. So he was in the bathroom trying to use his head to block his head for his face from my from me seeing it in the bathroom. And I was like, okay, I see that you're Peyton Manning, right? And I go over there and look by the rest of the table, Mike. 
there isn't a soul from the defensive side of the ball <laughs> from that Denver Broncos team that was at that sushi restaurant, and they were all in town for the Super Bowl. Like, I just, I just want to say, like, birthday parties. It's not like when you're in fifth grade when everyone gets an right. invite to the to the skating rink. Like, it, this is <laughs> this isn't Bro, the same shit. But even if you're not on a sports team, if you're an adult having a birthday party, you already know that not everyone you know makes it to that because people have lives. Yes. Like, I mean, listen, when you when when you get when you get married, when people if anyone get out there gets married, everyone you invite to the wedding isn't going to show up. Right? And then there's that there's that certain percentage that you're going to find out aren't going to come the day of because they cut their legs shaving in the bathtub getting ready for the damn wedding. So yes, I th- I think holding Russell Wilson accountable for how many people show up to his birthday party is kind of uh, low-hanging fruit compared to coming at him for about how many touchdowns he's thrown this year. Right. This is just a dumb thing in a sequence of very weird shade thrown at Russ. Like, do I believe Russ is a little bit good, like a little bit goofy, kind like, you know, all of those things kind of aloof and a little bit of the ultimate quarterback robot when it comes to, I will say and do the right things at all time. Yes. Do I believe that we Rocks. need to make some far-reaching conclusions about his birthday party and his leadership? No. And Nathaniel Hackett and a couple of the guys on the team came out and said as much that all this stuff about Russ losing the locker room, because this also coincided with reports starting to come out that Russ had lost the locker room and everyone pointed to the Mike Purcell blow up in that game on the sideline. Like, football sidelines are chaotic places where the love language is direct confrontation. I always said Mm. my favorite thing, one of my favorite things about sports is that you've got enough trust built up with the people you go to work with where you can have a knockdown drag out argument if you want and then turn the page the next play and be good with it because you've got to communicate fast or bad shit is going to happen. People are going to get hit, you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to lose games. And so you've got to be able to have a very blunt assessment. I mean, fuck, I can remember in high school football, me and my best friend who played O-line next to each other basically stopped to practice motherfucking each other at the line of scrimmage because we both had a different idea of who was supposed to do what on a screen we were running. And everyone else on the team, because we were too seen we were two captains let us stop and do it the coaches included and when we got done they said all right you guys are good and we said yeah and we went on with the practice because that's how that shit goes sometimes yes mike but you guys are best friends and russell wilson is parachuting into this environment and trying to set this culture that the walmart people are trying to set so there's a little bit to this but not with the birthday and i i do i do agree it is uh hot and 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 tumultuous over there on the sideline but there is something different with a Russell Wilson well and and listen I understand like you said coming into a new environment where people aren't used to seeing the way Russ operates because he grew into this in Seattle he came in there as a rookie and he grew into what he is now there they're getting the finished product of Russ without the outcomes that Russ had over in Seattle and this is what happens when we see with Patriot assistants all the time when you go to a new environment and expect to be Mm -hmm. treated like the guy from the old environment without producing the results we see that not go over so well with those teams and I'm sure part of this for Russ is the way he approaches this might not go over well with some people there are people in that locker room that vouch for him no locker room is just a monolith not everyone is ever going to fuck with everyone right 
Yes, true, but I feel like if we're talking about Russell Wilson, as much of a robot as he is, Mike, I really do. I, I, I'm interested in his feelings. Like, if we're going to play Inside Out, like from Disney Pixar, like, I want to know what those emotions in Russell Wilson are thinking, actually. Like, is he hurt that the locker room didn't show up? Like, did he expect everyone to show up? You know what I mean? Like, did everyone RSVP? I- if every if you expect everyone to show up at your birthday party, you're a level of narcissist that blows me away. As an adult, as an adult, True. you're yes, one of the yes. people that probably post well, birthday week on your social media accounts. But everyone's wife isn't Sierra, and if it's like Sierra was the one inviting them, it's like, are you going to say no to Sierra? And it's like, uh, I guess somebody's like, I mean, yeah, like, if yeah. I've got to take oh, my, my kids off? to a dance recital or if I've got to stay and do treatment, if I'm a back end of the roster guy that probably has to like, there's any number of normal life reasons that adults have to not be able to go to birthday party events. And so that one I, I think is really, and all of this, when we talk about leadership at the quarterback spot is this idea that, you know, and Russell Wilson is living proof to this, right? Russell Wilson is a living testament to this idea that we demand the quarterback be a leader in these places. And Russ has mm-hmm. felt that so much and tried to carry himself so much as the CEO providing us the perfect mantle to hang all of the things that we want to think are true about quarterbacks onto this player for his entire career, which is an interesting segue into the next headline that came up today. And one that I think mm. is interesting for different reasons. Patrick Peterson, who is with the Minnesota Vikings this year, having kind of a resurgent season for him, like a little bit of a throwback year as far as his physical ability. Um, He has a podcast that he does um, called the All Things Covered Podcast. It's him and Brian McFadden over at CBS Sports. And on that podcast, they were talking about uh, something we mentioned on this podcast. Kyler Murray after the game saying schematically we were pretty fucked in that fourth down call that ended up going wrong for them. And I believe that's what Bryant McFadden was referencing when he said Kyler Murray said some things publicly about their scheme that weren't exactly a glowing endorsement of their coach. You know, in Bryant, the funniest part to me in what I'm about to say from Pat P is that right before Patrick Peterson speaks, Bryant McFadden saying, I wish these were things that he had kept inside the locker room. And he said, because it seems like he doesn't really vibe with his coach like that. And right after he says that about keeping it in the locker room, Patrick Peterson, who was a teammate with Kyler Murray, was in the Arizona Cardinals organization until 2020, said, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. Like, the side-by-side of those two statements, the irony of it is not lost on me. Yes, Mike, but you got to think where Patrick Peterson's coming from. He is having that resurgence season, so much so that after that big win against uh, who the Vikings beat, was it the Bills or the Cowboys? Uh, no, the Vikings got their asses whooped by the Cowboys. Yes, yes, yes. It was the it was the Bills in that very crazy way. But at the end of that game, Mike, you remember he was looking at the social media guys like, "Where's Steve Kime at? I got to talk to Steve Kime. I, I I got words for Steve Kime." Like Patrick Peterson still has a vendetta in the battery in his back yeah. is everything that happened with him at the Arizona Cardinals. That is true because earlier in the podcast audio too, they were talking about what's gone on and how. 
Link, or uh, excuse me, Cliff Kingsbury was probably going to be the scapegoat for that. And Pat Peterson did point out, and the guy who hired him will still have a job, meaning Steve Kime. Mm. So yes, there absolutely is that animus there, but there was also a clear willingness. And God love Brian McFadden. We've all been there before where the person you're talking to on air says something you weren't prepared for. Because Brian McFadden after that was not sure how to handle that <laughs> grenade that had just been dropped into his lap by Pat Peterson. And so we got a response. Kyler Murray tweeted at Pat P and said this isn't true you're on some weird shit you got my number and if you really felt like this as a big bro or mentor you're supposed to call me and tell me not drag me so your podcast can grow Brandon what'd you make of this whose side are you on well as a podcaster Mike Kyler Murray's not wrong (laughs) drama is one of the leading sellers of a single piece of audio uh, trust me, I know in my time at, at Barstool Sports with the, the president over there. Uh, I think uh, we're at a new time, Mike, where this is why these people have a platform is to tell us the actual juice from the people that are uh, actually doing the thing still. Like this, the, the Tyree Kill clapping at Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tua being the most accurate quarterback he's ever had. That was clearly shade, but... I, there's something about there's something about this mic that I like because it validates what we've all been thinking, and I don't know if that justifies him breaking the locker room code or not. Well, and this is very similar to the Russell Wilson situation, right? Where you had KJ Wright and Richard Sherman going on a podcast talking about how Russ got treated different than what everyone else wasn't held to the yep. standard that the defensive guys were. Now, that's a little bit different because that sounded like they didn't enjoy the fact that he got so much credit for the success right. that was going on there and then didn't get the blame when things went wrong. They felt like he was protected, but I don't know if anywhere in there it was necessarily he's a bad guy. It was we didn't feel like he was in it with us in the same way which is as we talk about leadership in these conversations and like what your ideal version of a leader is I think one of the things that people always try and hold up is this idea that you're in the fight with us right You're one of those people that's not going to be above being with the rest of us. Even if you're paid differently, even if you're treated differently by the outside world, you're going to put your hand in the pile with us. You're going to be a servant leader. You're going to be there for what other guys need. You're going to lead different guys differently. You're going to try and get the best out of everyone by having those relationships, by having it matter to you, being the most highly paid, most important person in the building. Like Those are all things that I think generally as leadership traits, if we can point to tangible stuff, it's seeing it matter to someone on the day-to-day. That's why that first guy in, last guy out shit is something that so many people talk about because even if I think it's a bit ridiculous that you as another grown man and a professional would need to see somebody else working hard in order to go work hard for yourself... We know that's kind of how... Right, exactly. It It is your job. And so... But we also know that these guys do help set the tempo and that leading from the front is a real thing and setting those habits and standards for how we're going to go as a team usually falls on those guys. So those are all ideal leadership traits. All that is to say, 
Do I believe, like you said, that some of the things that we've consistently heard going back to before the season, when Chris Mortensen was tweeting about the views of Kyler Murray and that organization as they were negotiating their contract, do I believe some of that stuff to be true? Yeah, probably. We've never really heard a ringing endorsement of of, uh, Kyler Murray as a leader in that organization. So could I buy what Patrick Peterson is saying? Yes. To your point, this is that new media thing that we always hear from Draymond. This is the world where we get access to guys that are currently in these locker rooms, and this this is stuff that I'm sure fans love is mm-hmm. the guy's true feelings about their teammates. And I understand it's real. It just doesn't make it any less comfortable for me. And maybe this is starting to feel because like Patrick Peterson's our age. Like it's not like I'm right. talking about some Gen Z, like Gen Z player who grew up in a different time. Pat P is our age and Pat P is comfortable enough in his standing in the league and what he has accomplished as a player to feel like he can stand out and say this pretty credibly. And maybe like KJ Wright and Russell Wilson or KJ Wright and Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman, yeah. they felt like they had enough backup or truth on their side to say these things and figure that the rest of the guys on that team weren't going to push back too hard or that they would be supported in the way they did that. Like there was safety in that position in their minds in maybe the same way that there's safety in this position for Pat P's mind. It still is something that I, I, you know, and maybe this is my own just personal proclivities. I wouldn't be comfortable with. Like we played with plenty of guys that I could stand up here and say something about the way they led or the way they did things. But to me, it always comes off as salty or kind of like Kyler intimated, like you're trying to grab at attention for your own sake by taking something that was a relationship inside the locker room and putting it outside without any prompting before that. And so in that sense, yeah. I kind of agree with Kyler that. Like Brian McFadden said, this would have been something to be handled in private or just handled and phrased differently, right? There's a difference in saying Kyler only cares about Kyler or saying, I don't think Kyler's maximizing his ability as a leader for that team. I think you've got a four and eight football team where everyone's pointing at the coach and you're not helping with the statements you're making in public. You're the highly paid quarterback on that team. It is your job to go out and help remedy these things, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what you're paid to do at that position in this sport. There's a difference between those two things. And one's not nearly as sexy as the other and Kyler pointing that out isn't exactly wrong no but also I I think Patrick Peterson from his vantage point pointing out why he thinks because everyone already knows that there's been issues with Kyler Murray and and Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray as a leader since he got there right I think someone who's been in the locker room painting the picture of why even if it is shady and, and and it seems like it's there's something deeper there. I think it does help, and I think I, I do appreciate it. But here's two factors that are going in to where Patrick Peters is coming from. Like you said, he's a our age, right? Yep. That means he's an old head in the NFL, yep. right? As Kyler, heard, uh, Kyler Murray mentioned, he got to the uh, to Arizona when Larry Fitzgerald was the leader of that team, right? And Larry Fitzgerald version of leadership is akin to something that Tom Brady would want around Why they're together, they're doing their own podcast together, right? So like that's, a, that's a, a high, a very high level of leadership. And then the second part of it, Mike, is defensive guys are always, always in their feelings about the preferential treatment of quarterbacks, especially the, the quarterbacks of, or the, the wide receivers of the defense in corners, like they're the divas and they, they expect that same type of, of special treatment, and they don't get that, right? So I just feel like those two factors are 
probably under the surface with Patrick Peterson outside of him already having issues with Steve Kime that he actually does have an issue with Kyler Murray just because he's thriving in a position in a place that basically pushed him out. It, it's interesting though. He's like he's not really thriving. Like he's been very good individually, but that team Peters got, off every year. Yeah, I guess. He's got I a guess contract. I, I guess that is that is true. To that point, yeah. you got the only kind of validation that really matters in the NFL, and that's did the right. team like you enough to pay you? And again, I don't really begrudge Patrick Peterson for having his opinion and stating if he feels comfortable with it. I disagree with the method of doing that just as someone who's in the same business on this side of podcasting and being in the media, but it is just a very different time and place we're at, but it does all boil down to too. Quarterback, you're always expected to be the leader, even if that's not your personality. Like I don't necessarily like, there's a different conversation if you want to talk about being selfish not being versus not being a good leader, but we expect that at that position. When you're paid highly, you're expected to shoulder a certain amount of the load, but the bottom line is leadership is not for everybody, and if that is true mm-hmm. that Kyler Murray's just not wired like that, it's not the worst thing in the world if your ability can go out and get you out of that jam if you still go out and produce. Like We play with plenty of guys. I don't need you to be the world's best leader. I need you to do your job, and I need us to have success and if your leadership isn't within you then that's fine let the leaders on the team the people who that comes more naturally to do their thing and just make sure you're where you need to be when you need to be I know it's not always that simple because again NFL locker rooms are different the money and all that changes the dynamic but that's just kind of where I sit on most of this stuff yeah I I hear you but I I do I do want something a little bit more sexy though like I I want to hear something like Patrick Peterson say well, he he can't be a leader because he's not tall enough. You know, like I just I want hey. something. Like, hey, listen, something like, he he can't say anything meaner than that graphic that they put up during that broadcast of him and Justin Herbert already did there. So they got that covered uh, on that front. So. Uh, lots of interesting uh, folks dishing on quarterback in the court of public opinion. Always fun, but not nearly as fun as visiting with someone uh, currently near the top of college football right now. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, TCU head coach Sonny Dykes is going to join the podcast as they get ready for their Big 12 championship matchup against Kansas State. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Hopefully we're not running too late. I apologize. No, no, all good, Coach. I know uh, you guys got plenty going on right now. You guys are the uh, center of the football universe, so they're uh, the good problems to have, I guess, right? Yeah, 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 I've been... I've been way outside the center of this universe before, so I guess it's good to be in it. 
And I mean, coach, that's got to be kind of wild, right? I mean, coming over in year one where you're still trying to kind of install your program and now at the same time, you've got to kind of combat all this noise that comes with being as good as you guys have been. Yeah, you know, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, it really has been. I mean, look, it's been pretty cool because we, we weren't saddled with a bunch of really big expectations uh, at the beginning of the season. And I think it's allowed us to to probably enjoy it maybe a little bit more than you normally would when you're you know, when, it, when you're picked uh, to be this team and you have all these expectations. And so, you know, for us, we've kind of taken a one-game-at-a-time approach. Um, you know, and we haven't gotten too high. I really like this group. I mean, we, we finished the season 12-0 and the other day after beating Iowa State, walk in the locker room, and, you know, we sang – we do this little riff rams uh, chant after the game, after we win. And, man, our guys, as soon as we broke, they were they were moving on. They were already talking about – the Big 12 championship game and playing um, uh, and playing against Kansas State and, and just everything like that. And so they, they this team does have a lot of uh, maturity, um, but it's been fun, like I said, just because they, you know, they just kind of enjoy playing and we don't worry too much about what happened. Um, you know, we're kind of ready to, for, for whatever's next. Did you have to have a conversation about that at any point during the season about a lot of the attention that was going to come with the success they'd had? You know, not really. I mean, it's funny. I, I think you kind of try to take a measure of your team. Um, and, you know, as we started moving in the top 25, I thought, well, at some point we'll have to have a talk about ignore the rankings. And, you know, I kind of would walk around day to day and never heard the players one time talk about being ranked. Then as we started to kind of move up in, in conference rankings, I expected to, to have to say, well, look, don't worry about the conference standings. You know, just never heard anybody talking about that. And then kind of the same thing once we got into, you know, the college football playoff rankings and all that. And really, truly, our, our players, I've never heard our players talk about it one time, never heard them talk about, you know, who needed to win or what needed to happen in order to get there. Uh, they just have been a really, really focused group and have have really bought into the whole idea of, but look, we, we just got to prepare ourselves to go play well, and then we'll kind of add it all up at the end of the year and see where we're at. And so – um, it, that's made it fun. It really has. I think it's taken a lot of pressure off of us, taking a lot of pressure off the players, and is, has made the, the ride much more enjoyable. Coach, speaking of enjoying the ride here, and I certainly want to look at the you know Big 12 championship coming up, talk about your quarterback, but I do have to ask in all of this as you guys have had the rides, and I want to show it off. I've got it here. Glory to Hypno Toad on the hoodie. What was the pitch meeting like for what has now become a college football sensation for Hypno Toad and these wild videos you guys have been putting out after wins? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I wasn't invited to those meetings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really been cool. I mean, it's I saw the video at a basketball game last year, and, and it was one of those things where I saw like half of it, um, and I was kind of driving home with my wife after the game, and I was like, hey, did you see that? And she was like, yeah, what was that all about? I was like, I don't really know, but it was pretty cool. So then next time we went to the basketball game, we saw it. And, and you know, it's oddly strange and kind of appealing and interesting. And and then, uh, you know, and then we decided as a football program, our marketing people just said, hey, look, let's stick it on a T-shirt and let's try to play this thing up. And it just blew up. And so it, it has like a weird effect on our crowd. It seemed to have had a weird effect in some of our games. You know, when we're not playing well, they'll play the video and all of a sudden – we start playing well, and so it's like it's like the saying goes, "All hell the hypnotist." 
And, and Coach, you're not kidding. So I, I got to be out in Fort Worth for two of your guys' games this year for Oklahoma State and for Iowa State. And the crowd reaction the minute the video pops up and people start going is unparalleled. I didn't see anything like that as far as a reaction to one singular thing this football season. Yeah, yeah. It's like I said, it, I think it appeals to the weird, dark side of all of us. Uh, yeah. They've done they've done a cool job of creating these clips and doing this stuff, and we have some really creative people in our in our marketing uh, department, and, and it's kind of just blown up. It's been really fun. Coach, speaking of other things that have blown up this season, Max Duggan does not begin the season as a starter. He's now getting ready to quarterback a team in the Big Twelve Championship game. What has surprised you most about Max this year, and why do you think he deserves to be one of the guys in New York for the Heisman at the end of this year? Well, I do think he's probably meant more to this football team than any other player in college football could. I mean, he really has. Um, you know, Max Max is really good statistically. You know, you look at his numbers and you go, yeah, these are good numbers. And he does all the little things uh, from a statistical standpoint that great quarterbacks do. But what he does more than anything else is he just elevates our team. You know, he really does. I mean, the guys respect how tough he is. They respect how dedicated he is. Um, he's not like a big vocal guy, not like a rah-rah guy, but, but he's got a, a respect from everybody in the program that's just really unparalleled. And, you know, I think this program has taken on his personality. You know, the guys are tough. The guys are, are kind of low-key. Um, you know, they're all about business. Um, and so it's been, it's been his personality that's permeated and really, kind of, I think, in a lot of ways changed our program. And he's just done such a a fantastic job of doing the little things in games. If you watch us play, you know, there's been times this year where we've made a bad call and he bails us out by pulling the ball down and running. Or there's times when, you know, we've had to have a critical play in a game and he's been able to somehow get the ball across the first down line to keep the chains moving, you know, and, and just, he does all these little bitty things that, that you add them all up and it becomes a huge, a huge thing. It's really moved the needle for us. And I think, you know, certainly we wouldn't be where we are right now without him and, and just who he is and his personality and his demeanor. And it's meant everything really to our program. And, and coach, what was, you know, the conversation like with him? Obviously he goes into the season. He's not in the position that he wants to be here. Uh, was there ever a moment where you saw him get down or anything like that? You know, not really. I mean, obviously we, I called him in my office and I told him, hey, look, we're going to go with another guy. And, uh, and I said, well, look, here's how these things work. I said, I've done this before. And, you know, and it's worked out really good for the person that didn't win the job, as long as you'll stay with us and keep working. And, you know, he goes, hey, you don't have to worry about that. He just said, look, I got it. It's not what I want. But he said, I'll be the best uh, backup quarterback in college football. And he really did say that. And a couple of weeks later, you know, we go play Colorado and Chandler Morris gets hurt. He comes in the third quarter and has never looked back. He's just played so well uh, and has done everything that, that he can do to help us win. And but he, he handled it remarkably well. I mean, he, Max is a really special kid, very mature, um, never gets – the moment's never too big for him. You know, he does, never gets distracted. He's, he's incredibly focused. And he just took that as another, another step in his development and his maturation as a quarterback and as a football player. Coach, for the development of this program, and we've seen it across college football – a lot of coaches having success in their first year in a new program. The top 25 has been littered with teams uh, that have been able to do it, most of them not to the level that you guys have. But uh, for you, 
as you've been a you know, in coaching for a while, been a head coach for a long time, when you first walk on campus, what's one of the first things that you do that you think, all right, this is part of you know what makes a, a Sunny Dykes led program be able to have this kind of success or special in the way you approach this? Yeah, I think I think what you got to do is you got to figure out who you are as a program. What you know, what are your strengths? Um, and it's always building this around your players and what you have. I think sometimes, you know, you just think, okay, I'm going to pick up this manual. I'm going to move it from school A to school B, and here we go. And I just don't think that's how it works. You know, I think that you've got to, you've got to come to it to your school, and you have to say, okay, what makes our place unique? What makes our place different? Um, what kind of players do we have here? And let's build around our strengths and what we can and can't do. And, you know, every school's got, got really big positives, and every school's got negatives. And you've got to try to address those negatives, but you have to build off the positives as quickly as you can. And so, you know, for us, when we got here, you know, we had a team that we thought was physical, you know, we got into our first practices and, and we'd get into our inside drill. And this was a physical football team. That's a credit to, to coach Patterson and the, his, his, uh, his teams that he had here for a long time, they were tough and physical. But we also had a lot of speed and we said, okay, how can we have these two things that keep these two things and make sure we maintain them. And so, we started to build a practice schedule that was probably a little bit different than most first-year coaches have. We had shorter practices. We, we put GPS devices on all our players to measure how far we were running, making sure we weren't overworking guys. And our thought was, you know, let's don't take a, a 10, 700-meter guy, practice him all week, and get him to the game where he's a 12 flat 100-meter guy. You know, let's make sure if he's 10-7 that he's playing at 10-7. And so we, we practiced lighter than we have in the past. Now, when we – when we went, we made sure we were physical. We made sure we kept that edge that was already here. Uh, but at the same time, we, we needed to keep our guys safe and sound, and we needed to keep them fresh and keep them fast. And so that's kind of what we tried to do really from the beginning is, okay, let's play off these strengths. And hopefully as our program gets a little better, we'll have a little more depth. We can have a little bit longer practices because we have more bodies that we can work. Uh, but here on the front end, you know, we had really 18-period practices from the get-go. And, and I think the the reason we did that was because the, um, you know, we had to, we we had to, we wanted to keep them fresh and fast. Coach, you're talking about a lot of adjustments, and part of that's also you know adjusting to the modern game, the transfer portal, NIL, everything around the sport. You've been around this for so long, obviously, also seen it through your father's eyes for so many years as a coach. Uh, has it been difficult to kind of make that transition? Because you hear a lot of coaches, I think, talk about how difficult so many of these changes are and the challenges that all these new elements present in college football. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what we tried to do really from the beginning was whether we like the transfer portal, NIL, whatever, take that out of the equation. It's, it, it is what it is. And it's it's the way the game's going to be played these days. And let's figure out how to make sure it benefits us and, and figure out ways to use it to our advantage. And you know, we were at SMU when the transfer portal thing began to happen. And, and our thing was, look, we're in Dallas, Texas. There's a lot of great high school football players in Dallas, Texas that left. Let's 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 make it easy for them to come home and play in front of their family and friends. And so that's what we did at SMU. We became a, a transfer friendly program and it helped us get better. We've done the same thing here, being in DFW as well. And, you know, we had 13 transfers this year and three of them made all conference. And so, you know, we've had guys that have, have come in here and have been big contributors to our program. Some of our best players, some of our best leaders have come from the transfer portal. And from the NIL perspective, we're, we're really lucky. We have a, a very big fan base that uh, is really committed to, to big time college football. And so they've helped us with our NIL stuff as well. And so it's been a, 
you know, it, it takes a village to have a good football team and it takes a lot of different things coming together. And certainly those two things have, have been important for us getting the program going, especially here early. Do you think you guys can kind of be the face of the Big 12 as it goes through this change in the next couple of years because of that? Yeah, yeah, I think we do. I mean, I think a lot of these teams in the Big 12 probably probably think that as well, you know, but but look, we're lucky to be in the DFW Metroplex where some of the best high school football in the world is played. And just because of that, we're always going to be very fortunate to have access to a lot of really good high school football players. Coach, so much of your staff, so much of your background, it has these tentacles to Texas high school football. How unique is that relationship? You've been out of the state of Texas. You were at Cal. How unique is being in Texas and having to sort of nurture those relationships that you've got with the high school coaches in the area? Yeah, that's that's critically important. I mean, look, um, Texas high school coaches are, are the best. I mean, those guys are really dedicated to their craft, work incredibly hard. You know, you drive through Texas, you see the football stadiums, you know how important it is to these communities. Uh, the investment in, in high school football is really strong in Texas. And and so it's like anything else. I mean, look, business is based on relationships and it's based on trust and and it's uh, it's based on, you know, people kind of having the same vision. And so it's been great being back here in the state where, you know, you can go sit down, you can drink coffee in, in, a, in a coach's office and know all the coaches and have some kind of connection to all of them and you know, and you know, it's important. That's the great thing about it is, I mean, you know, uh, high school football is critical to, to, to the state of Texas and critical to these towns. And it's part of the part of the personality of these towns and part of what makes Texas a special place to live. Coach, what else is your favorite part about being back in Texas? Obviously, so much of your life has been in this state. You went away for a bit like off the field. What was your favorite thing that you were most looking forward to once you got back? Well, you know, family and friends and all that. Uh, but barbecue, you know, the Texas barbecue is pretty good. It's kind of unique and it's different. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, having a chance to, to go places that I grew up in and relive memories that I had as a child and, and be around people that care about you and love you. And I think that's that's what's been fun. I mean, it's just been great to, to, to be home. There's nothing like nothing like going home uh, and being around people that, you know, and, and that part's been fun. And, um, you know, it's just a great place to live, great place to raise kids. And it's been pretty special. Are you uh, are you one of the people that uh, flies the flag for Bucky's? Because once I started traveling through Texas for a lot of college football, I had everyone telling me I needed to go and make the pilgrimage. Yeah. So I've got a 14 and 11 year old daughter and a six year old son. And every time I go to a Bucky's, I buy him like a T-shirt or a hat or something obnoxious. And so you know, <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, hey, I got you this T-shirt. My my daughters just roll their eyes and my son's like ecstatic. So we have all this Bucky stuff in our house that we don't need. You know, I've got I've got about 10 different fryers that I buy at Bucky's every time I stop in there. And I'm always like, you know, yeah, I got to get a fryer and I get home and I've already bought it before. Uh, <laughs> that's part of the that's part of the Texas deal, though, man. You got to go to Bucky's. You got to check it out. You got to go buy something you don't need. There we go. What's the I mean, do you remember the like the wildest shirt you've bought from Bucky's? Is it one of those that has like cats on it or something? What are we talking about here? Well, my daughter has a bunch with the obnoxious logo, you know, with the beaver with the big teeth and, you know, and some like uh, hot pink and and uh, yellow, you know, uh, colors. And like I said, they every time I show up, they just roll their eyes. They're like, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> There we go. Easy to load up on Christmas gifts at uh, at Bucky's getting ready for the holiday rush here. Uh, 
Coach, uh, part of your other experience in Texas, you know, part of those early Mike Leach staffs, what's it like for you to look out now and see Dave Aranda and Cliff and Lincoln and all these guys where they've wound up from those early days? Like, were were there any of those guys in that group that you were really surprised to see ascend to the heights that they're at now based on, you know, where they were at as a young person or something like that? Yeah, you know, not really. I mean, I think it's hard sometimes to, you know, look at an 18-year-old student coach like Lincoln Riley and imagine him being – you know, as successful as he was at Oklahoma or at, at USC. But, you know, it, it's funny. You can tell. You can tell with him and you can tell with Dave Miranda and you can tell with some of the young guys that we were around that, you know, these guys are different and they're special and they're going to be going to be very successful in this profession. You know, they just, you know, they, they love to learn. They had a lot of uh, respect for the game of football. Uh, they weren't afraid to work. And so that's usually a good combination. And they are all really smart guys. And so, it was fun to be on that staff at Texas Tech. It was a free exchange of ideas, a lot of really sharp people uh, talking about things. And the great thing about Mike Leach was he always made you feel like you were important, even if you weren't, you know, and he always acted like he listened to you, even if he didn't. And so it was really cool because you felt like you were empowered at a really young age. And, you know, Mike has a lot to do with, with his success that all these guys have had. Even with the crazy hours that you keep when you're on a Mike Leach coaching staff? Yeah, and I think that's part of it, learning to adapt and adjust and to, you know, to kind of move on. I think that's one thing that you have to learn with Mike is, you know, nothing's traditional. And I think in a lot of ways that ex- expands your ability to, to think outside the box and and, uh, and be creative. And so I think we all learn probably a lot more from Mike than we even give him credit for. Coach, just the last couple of minutes, and I appreciate all the all the time you've given today. I know you're super busy. Uh, I had a little birdie tell me, pretty big music guy. Is that what I hear? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like music. Yep. So uh, everyone's doing like the Spotify year end rap playlist and the Apple playlist. What's been what's been in the uh, in the downloads? What's been in your ears so far this season? Have you had like a consistent playlist that you've had going through? I know a lot of coaches are superstitious. Yeah, yeah, I've had uh, kind of two things. I uh, kind of really three probably I, I bounced back and forth between um so i had a lot of chris stapleton you know love chris stapleton so it's a lot of uh, a lot of his pandora channel has been on my on my radio um love um love mumford and sons so I had a lot of mumford and sons on there as well uh, that's been another another big one um you know uh and then dave matthews so a lot of dave matthews as well so that's kind of been my my playlist uh, during the fall, you know, during the summer, it's a little bit different. May stick some Maroon 5 or something in there, to, you know, a little bit more of a, <laughs> of, you know, kind of a party thing in the summer. But uh, yeah, but it's been pretty subdued this fall. But yeah, that's that's kind of what we listen to. Uh, there we go. The calming force. Did you have like, because uh, I'm with you on the Dave Matthews and, and growing up as a kid in Connecticut, there was no bigger event than the Dave Matthews summer concert tour. So yeah, yeah. I've uh, seen him about 30 times. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Oh man, a nice twenty-minute didgeridoo solo in the middle of bartender. What's better than that? <laughs> oh yeah, and bartender is my favorite song without a doubt. Yeah, so it's, it's the best. That's awesome, I, coach. Have you gotten to like meet any of these guys along the way as you've you know risen up the coaching ranks? Has there been like a favorite musical artist you've gotten to meet? Yeah, so when I was at Cal, I actually got to meet I had a guy. Uh, had a guy that produced a bunch of shows at Cal, so I got to meet uh, Marcus Mumford and his wife Carrie Mulligan, which is kind of cool. They they played a show in Berkeley one time and I became good friends with Pat Moynihan, lead singer for train. Pat and I wow. are, are close friends. Pat came to my 50th birthday party and sang whole, Hey soul sister with my daughter actually, which is, no. cool. yeah. Oh which is man. Cool. And so, and Pat's a super good guy and a, and a fan of college athletics and just, a, just a great guy. So yeah, I've had a chance to run across those guys. 
here in Fort Worth, Pat Green's a neighbor. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, Pat's, Pat's obviously got the Texas country thing going and known Pat for a long time. So we, we love music. My wife and I, as soon as the season ends, man, we're checking, we're checking concerts and trying to go and take in as many shows as we can. Now, a little birdie told me that along the way in the recruiting trail, you met Scott Stapp, the lead singer of Creed. I just was reliving the glory of their halftime performance the other day from Thanksgiving. Tell me, like, how, what was that like? Is this like a don't meet your heroes thing, or is he everything I hoped he would be? No, he was he was actually pretty pretty cool. Yeah, that was during the the Creed like blow up in the early two thousands. Um, yeah, I don't know that I'll ever fully recover from the from the Cowboys halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we all kind of suffered through that together. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So he had a connection to Shreveport Evangel. He knew Brock Berlin uh, somehow. I don't really know. And so I ran into him on the sidelines of a game once and, and uh, yeah, I kind of ended up in some strange places together. Uh, you know, but he <laughs> same thing, really cool guy and, and uh, really fun to get to know him. A lot of fun to hang out with. Oh man. All right. So I, between, I think having your daughter get to sing at her birthday party with the lead singer of train balances out the Bucky's t-shirts. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. She, she forgave me for that one. Did you have a song uh, like pregame playlist? My sophomore year at Notre Dame, Charlie Weiss is our head coach. And he only had one request is that in the pregame playlist, because they had had it in New England when he won the Super Bowl, he needed Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men in the playlist, which was incredible to watch opposing teams to react to. Did you get anything on the pregame track list for you guys, or did you leave that to the guys? No, no, that's, that's about the players. So the practice, the pregame, pregame and practice music, that's, that's all about them. So the only time I get to choose anything is when I'm in my office. I don't even get to choose anything at home. It's just only in my office. <laughs> well, Coach, we're glad you've got control over at least the office. You've got your happy place in there, uh, surrounded by uh, all the success you guys have had this season. Uh, really appreciate the time, Coach. This was a ton of fun. Best of luck in the conference championship game. I know game day is going to be there. Everyone's going to be watching. Should be an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate you, man. Uh, appreciate what you do for college football. Good seeing you. You too, Coach. Thanks. All right, take care. Appreciate it. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, Brandon, it's about time to turn this thing on out. You know what time it is? You know I do, Mike. It's Christmas time, baby. All December long, you're getting Christmas fire, Christmas heat. Mike, we got to talk because I want to make sure you're comfortable with some songs that you're going to have to shoulder uh, during this month. But I want to start us off Done. on a bang. In. 
in, all in on this. As someone who popped open my advent calendar for the first time this holiday season this morning, I am ecstatic. Shout out to my mom who still sends advent calendars to all her kids every year. Truly the most wonderful time. Tree today, baby. Tree today. Okay, let's do this. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. And I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. More than you can ever know. Make my wish come true. Baby, this, that, and the third is you. How bad does your throat hurt right now? Bro. Atlanta. I don't even I don't even want those problems, Mike. Bro. But I had to start us off. No, I get it. Listen, like that is the quintessential song of the season, but goddamn, Mariah's got pipes that are just really hard to match. I applaud your effort, man. That is a go out with your shield or on it type moment for you there, and I feel like she was gunning for your heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I thank you. You're a friend, and that's why you applaud my effort. Uh, me, I'm a little bit more critical. I, I kind of felt like how it sounded uh, coming out. We'll get better. We'll you know get what? Better. It's, let just, the, it's December 1st. Let the people decide. As always, download, yeah. subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating, and let Brandon know how much you enjoy his Christmas spirit. Remember, your best way to spread Christmas cheer, singing loud for all to hear. That's day one shit. All here, baby. Brandon, uh, speaking of the holiday season, let's get to Terrell Owens knocking a guy out outside of a CVS. <laughs> the 48-year-old former NFL star told the AP in a statement that he acted in self-defense on Saturday night when a man, quote, made offensive gestures and threatening statements to him and a fan who had approached Owens in the CVS. Uh, apparently, the man approached him and the fan in the store and T.O. attempted to de-escalate the situation by walking outside where that man followed. The guy kept threatening him as he did during the store. T.O. said once again, attempting to defuse the ongoing situation, I placed myself between the fan and the aggressor. I made verbal demands asking the aggressor to stop his threatening behavior. And then the man swung at him first, so T.O. felt obligated to put his ass down. And if you haven't seen the video, he the guy squared up, which I give him credit because the man is much smaller than Terrell Owens. And Terrell Owens, who at 48 years old, I was amazed to learn, was 48 years old. Because T.O. does not look 48 years old. And he gave him that one-two piece, put him down on the turf, and that guy somehow got back up enough to talk about it before deciding to take his life in his own hands and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yes, Mike, he did, he messed with the wrong 48-year-old. Uh, he didn't know that this 48-year-old, well, he knew who Terrell Owens was. Come on now. Uh, this 48-year-old runs a 4-5-40, uh, and also every time he jokes about possibly making a return to the NFL, everybody starts thinking about Julio Jones. <laughs> Like, right. Like, 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 how many sand workouts do you need to see from Terrell Owens doing legitimate NFL drills at his big age before you realize he might not be the one? Oh, my gosh. The, Mike, the, there was a 49ers fan that came up to him, and uh, he said he made, the, he, made, he made a threat against the 49ers fan, which obviously, after that long tenure with Terrell Owens, uh, he wasn't having that. 
No, he didn't, he didn't have time for that. And you know, honestly, the worst part about this situation was my fear the entire time was, man, Tio did this. Like that guy could have had a gun in my like in the world we mm. live in now, where we see that like more people have firearms than ever. That's always my worry with this stuff. Like I actually was, I breathed a sigh of relief that this was just as simple as a former NFL star beating the shit out of somebody in front of a CVS because my natural reflex is to always think about how much worse it could have been and usually is. So this feels mm, like a blessing yeah. that T.O. just put this guy down. Yeah, and also it's it's like a, a staple. It's like getting followed by Little B on Twitter. Like seeing T.O. or Ron Artest just randomly around L.A., it happens. Right. I'm looking forward to my rite of passage there. I'm hopefully not going to get knocked out in the process. Uh, <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, let's get to that. Um, former Notre Dame quarterback and one-time Green Bay Packers quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser made a little bit of Aaron Rodgers-related news the other day. Um, Deshaun Kaiser, who appeared on a podcast where he was asked about his time with the Green Bay Packers and told the story about how Aaron Rodgers apparently on the first day uh, they were together closed the door in the meeting room and asked if Deshaun believed in 9-11. Deshaun went on to say yes. Aaron Rodgers told him he needs to do some research into that. Deshaun basically went on to recount uh, their conversations about various conspiracies over their time together in Green Bay, the things that Aaron Rodgers would tell him, those conversations that they would have. And Brandon, all of this brought me back. Like, obviously, this isn't totally surprising with Aaron Rodgers given what he's become in the last couple of years. Are you... Uh, Mike, conspiracy theories are one thing. 9-11 conspiracy things are another. They are, but for a guy who was on most people's estimation the wrong side of the COVID-19 entire experience, for him to go down that conspiracy theory path that we thought was only reserved for Kyrie Irving, like you said, I think the 9-11 stuff is is in extremely poor taste. Yes. You know, that should be the overwhelmingly obvious at this point, but... Traditionally, yes. Yes, But this all brought me back because obviously this sounds ridiculous. And the other stuff that he talks about, like hollow earth theory and lizard people and all that, it reminded me of a time where conspiracy theories were like 
fun and easy fodder that we could put mm. off to the side. Like I have distinct yes. memories of riding the bus at rookie minicamp and a player who shall not be named when I was in Pittsburgh sat on the bus and was telling us about all of these conspiracy theories. Like most of the same ones that are mentioned in this podcast appearance that he believed mm. in a race of giants that lived under the earth that had brokered peace with the people above earth and lizard people and all that stuff. And it was fun. Like for us, it was all fun because we all knew it was bullshit and we just listened to him go on and entertain us during a shitty 25 minute bus ride through downtown Pittsburgh. But then somewhere along the line, these large factions of people in the dark internet decided that they were going to make this their entire worldview and that that was going to seep into polite society. And now this stuff is legitimately dangerous and it sucks ass on a lot of levels. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, Mike, we talked about, uh, harmless conspiracy theories. Like that's where we like to keep them. That's where I really generally like to keep them. Like here's one of my favorites. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, the the moon is a, a permafrosted space alien ship that's stuck in our, uh, gravitational pool. And that's why we can see it, uh, at during the daytime as well as at night. And it was just reflecting off the sun. Like, and I, and I see it and I just like, I like that. I like that theory. It and it's like some space, some stars were shit. Right. Like, and you know what? Like that's kind of harmless fun because you still understand that it reflects off the sun. Like it's not anti-science. The problem is all right. of these conspiracies lead back to like being anti a bunch of generally accepted, well, like researched thoughts and theories, but, yeah. th- but like that one there is harmless fun. Like it's like the Harry Carey thing. If the moon was made out of cheese, would you eat it type shit? Like I'm cool with fun stuff like that because again, that's not your entire personality and worldview. It's not the first thing that you brought up the first time that you and I met and we're behind closed doors together, which feels a little bit right. different. That that's my that's my issue with it, Mike, because when it comes to conspiracy theories and like learning about people, like I just wish that that was I wish she would know someone a little bit longer before you know, bust that out. I, I, I wait a little bit longer before I let people know that I don't believe in sharks and dinosaurs. Like, I, I give people that grace. Sharks? They're here. I, I know. So are, dino, so are dinosaurs. I mean, like, yeah, I, I think sharks are, I think sharks are uh, protecting some. We haven't done enough research into, into who's on the other end of those sharks attacks. I think they were getting closer to the truth. <laughs> Uh, Brandon, speaking of enraged, gigantic animals, let's get to the third. (laughs) The first trailer drop for a movie that will surely win every Academy Award if there is any justice in the world. Cocaine Bear, a movie that is loosely based off the real-life story of a 175-pound black bear who ingested an entire duffel bag of abandoned cocaine in northern Georgia back in 1985. Now, that bear died a horrific death, and rest in peace to Cocaine Bear. No one deserves to go out like that. Um, But Brandon, that bear, which had a very sad ending, um, is not the bear in this movie. For anyone that has not watched the trailer, run, don't walk to check this out. It is a giant animatronic bear that does cocaine, that you are reminded over and over again within this two-minute trailer, is on cocaine. The amount of people in this movie who were paid money to go out and say the line, the bear's on fucking cocaine, too many to count. It is incredible. It is exactly like if you took... 
the I am legend zombies and just made them a bear. That's essentially what this bear becomes supercharged on cocaine. This is the entire internet essentially authored the script to a movie when this headline came out and someone took it seriously enough to make. And I am so grateful for that. Yeah, Mike, I, I, I agree. I do think it's, it's riveting. I was, I was tied into the two minute, 20 second trailer, Mike, but it, it really just felt like a very long, Sour Patch commercial of like first they're sour then they're sweet because they're showing the bear coked up killing people and then they're also showing the bear coked up doing very Winnie the Pooh things of just like kind of playing with his nose and skating on its back through the forest because it's high on cocaine like I, I don't know where the through line is this like a Sharknado thing where it's also a comedy? Oh, it is absolutely going to have comedic elements in this 100%. Okay. Okay. With so with that being said, because we know Cocaine Bear is going to win every Academy Award, I asked the fine people of Twitter.com <laughs> because a perfect two-word combination of bear, of animal, and drug yielded this very potent result. I wanted to know mm. at Gojo Show on Twitter, at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter, at is it Brother Brandon or Ball Brandon now? You've changed your Twitter several times. It confuses me greatly. It's just Brother Brandon, but I, you have the freedom to to change the name, and right now it's just Brandon. All right, right now it's just but at Brandon. Brother Brandon. Um, at Brother Brandon, at Michael Jr., at Gojo Show on Twitter. What is the best combination of animal and drug out there? I've got a few, Brandon. Tell me what you think of some of these that have come up. Um, Randy Scott of Sports Center fame writes in PCP Moose, which I feel like one of the common threads we're going to see is it needs to be a drug that's an upper. I don't think marijuana is going to be overly interesting for this one, watching an animal roll around on the ground and get tired and eventually nap. Alcohol would kind of have the same effect. And so PCP, yes. also a large animal. Moose is big as shit, could do a lot of damage. That's that's two dangerous ones mixed, Mike. I, I like that vote because mooses are... I was making sure I didn't... Uh, Meese? With a plural moose. <laughs> the meese... Uh, the meese, they're dangerous. They're big. They're dumb animals, and they're uh, they're beautiful. But on PCP, Mike, Godzilla. Well, speaking of PCP, Ryan Nanny uh, from the Shutdown Full Cast says PCP possum, which I don't know if a possum's big enough, but it's definitely a scary-ass animal. I don't know if you've seen their faces. They're terrifying. Oh, of course I've seen a possum, Mike. Ugh, I don't want to see. I don't know. I feel like that would be aggressive. This one feels right up your alley. Matt Brown, writer of the Great Extra Points newsletter, says Viagra Velociraptor, which feels like your perfect blend of horny and Jurassic Park. I feel like (laughs) Horny Dinos is a spinoff franchise that could eventually combine with the Fast and Furious. Uh, Yes, Mike. Uh, What is that uh, raptor that used to spit in Newman's face in that movie? You know what I'm talking about? He's got the... (laughs) And he spits out the stuff. This Velociraptor got to spit out semen, right? God damn it, Brandon. What? <laughs> the Viagra It's not November anymore. You don't get to just say semen on the podcast. For the love of God. Um, Joe Fortenbaugh of ESPN <laughs> Betting says Molly Boa Constrictor. Molly would be an interesting one because it would be happy Ooh. as shit, but a Boa Constrictor's joy is a terrifying thought. Yeah, I don't know what they do with that. I don't know what they do with that. I feel like they just put more more humans in their bellies when they're happy. Brandon, I know you don't believe in them, but Preston Yost tweets in, what about meth shark? 
It's okay. essentially like a more weaponized Jaws. Yeah, I would say it seems like a shark, a shark on shark steroids. Right. Bath salts, another good one, too. I, I think bath salts, Ooh. cocaine, PCP, crack, all of those things would qualify in this one. Brett Coleman tweets in, ayahuasca alligator. That'd be interesting to watch an alligator have to hmm. kind of reckon with its past in a miles-long yeah. drug trip. Um, you- L. L. Duncan of SportsCenter fame, uh, bath salt snakes, which bath salt snakes. she also said could be on a plane. Get Samuel Jackson back oh, involved. No. You've got something. Yeah, no, that's scary. That's scary, Mike. That's almost as scary as uh, chimpanzees on crack. Man, that's what I was thinking of was like a gorilla on crack. Now we're Mm-mm. like, because you need something like a bear size, big and mobile, that's got the ability to do some damage. And any sort of gorilla on a high energy drug, the most terrifying force of nature. Um, I've seen, I offered up heroin hog. I feel like I just watched, um, I just finished watching the end of Atlanta's fourth season. And so I saw that episode on the farm where Paperboy ends up fighting that feral hog. And if you put those things on some drugs, now maybe 30 to 50 feral hogs on drugs, you're really cooking with something. Mm. I feel like everyone in Arizona was like, not Arizona, excuse me. Everyone in Arkansas was like, he's got a point. Yeah, You know what? (laughs) Come to think of it. I might be able to help you out with that one. If you feel like helping us out with that one, at Gojo Show on Twitter, we'll take more of those. Uh, and if you feel like helping us out in general, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Tell us about which animal and drug combined for the best movie in those reviews. And then check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thanks so much. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow.